doing, about what God is doing in our lives. And see, I want you, I want you just today to really focus on, we've been in this resurrection series and how resurrection brings courage because the resurrection is just all about Jesus. It's just all, listen, I want to tell you something. It's not about faith, though that is a very important part of our life. But it's, it's not about faith, it's about Jesus. Let me explain to you. Um, obviously, what I have to deal with is I deal with people from a lot of different walks of life, uh, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different faith-based systems. And the reason I was telling Jenna backstage, the reason why I don't like the word faith-based the reason why I don't like that hyphenated term is because it puts all the emphasis on the word what, saints? I didn't hear you. Y'all wake this morning, eat a donut, right? That's a word from the Lord, right? It puts the emphasis on the word what? Faith. So then the question is, who has the right faith? Uh, so is it, let, let me just challenge us for a second. Is it the people that flew into the towers, did they have faith? Yes or no? Come on. Yes. They didn't have faith in Jesus, but they had faith. So the question is, if the emphasis is on faith, then who has the faith? So if, I was, if the faith was the goal, then me, personally, I would say, well, whoever has the greatest amount of faith, they must really have the right God. Because whoever's faith is the greatest, they must be fully convinced that that God is real, so maybe that's it. And I just want to challenge us today that it's not faith that's the emphasis, it's who you have faith in that's the emphasis. Come on, somebody. And so what happens today as we look at, who is this person? So the question then begs is, well, then who is God? So you're saying, well, John, they have faith in their God. Um, and, 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 you know, there's this Buddhist faith. Uh, you know, I've heard of Dalai Lama. Or there's a Hindu faith with um, just millions of gods and over 27,000 reincarnations. And, and I've heard like term karma and stuff like that. And, and, you know, it's interesting when I was at the Hindu temple, one of the Hindu temples, you know, it was interesting that I was, um, we, I was there with, you know, there's different gods, they're, they're fake gods. And so they have pictures, I mean, not pictures, but they have them like the statues. And so the, there was Hare Krishna, uh, right? And so I'm, I'm looking at Hare Krishna, it's got a, like an elephant face and then like a woman's body and like the tusk is wrapped around this way. And so I'm standing there and they're ringing the bell to wake up the gods, like, you know, and there's ropes and then like there's, like there's the god and there's the rope and I'm here and I'm like kind of staring at it and they give the, the, the priest is giving the god bananas or whatever they do, you know, sometimes they put milk out or whatever else. And I'll never forget, I'm looking at that, I'm looking at Hare Krishna, I'm going, that is a really ugly statue. That's like crossed my mind. And, and then my buddy walks over with me and he goes, looks like your prom date, and walks off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I Christian cussed him. And so, I'm just kidding. So I was sitting there, you know, I'm thinking about like, you know, who's God? Who is God? And so the answer is, in all of Scripture, the answer is, who is God? Yes, I'm a Trinitarian. Yes, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Yes. I believe in the essence of that. But my point is, like, 
when I think of like how did God the Father choose to display himself, scripture makes it very clear. Let me give you an example. Whoop, there it is. All right, here we go. Just wanted to get y'all rolling this morning. I'm sorry, Gary. I'm sorry. Uh, 2 Corinthians. Let's just go there. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And this is kind of leading up to Genesis, uh, excuse me, the Colossians, and then, and then Genesis. So who is this God? See, it's not faith that's the emphasis. It's who I have faith in that's the emphasis. And so this person claims that they have a God. This person claims they have a God. This person claims they have a God. Well, which God? And, and, and what does this God even look like? Scripture answers it. Oh, I love when people tell me, well, where did Jesus ever claim that he was the Messiah? It's very simple. Just read the Gospel of Mark. And you'll see there in the, in the Gospel when the high priest, notice Jesus didn't answer anybody but the high priest. Come on, somebody, because he's a high priest. Mm-hmm. Right? And so he, the high priest says, tell, who are you? He says, are you the Messiah? He goes, I am. He claims to be who he set up to be. But watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 4 and then through 6. 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Woo, this is good stuff. In their case, the G, the lowercase G, the God of this age, that's a reference to Satan. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And then look what the scripture says. Not John Davis, right? Not in Second Dreams chapter 2, but in Second Corinthians chapter 4, who is the what saints? I didn't hear you. Who is what? Image of the invisible God. When God chose to show himself to us, he said it's Jesus. When I want to show you what I am going to look like, well, I want to show you the attributes and power that I have. Oh, by the way, you can read Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. Jesus wasn't good looking, people. You say, well, that sounds blasphemous. Read scripture. It's not like you walked up and saw Jesus and went, dude, that's Messiah. You walked up to him and was like, Nazareth, does anything good come out of that place? Like that's, he, he, here's the image. It's the power. Watch this, verse 5. For we are not proclaiming ourselves. Man, I don't get up here this morning and proclaim anything about Summit. I don't proclaim anything about John. I don't proclaim anything about CS, you know. I don't proclaim anything about anybody else but the king of kings that every knee is going to bow. And by the way, your boss will bow one day. Verse 5. We are not proclaiming ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves because of Jesus. I am your slave because of Jesus. You say, what do you mean, John? Well, let me just give you something. I have turned down three jobs since August, and I promise you, and you can ask the elders, that if they pay thousands and tens of thousands and six-figure jobs over what I'm making now. Because I have to listen to Jesus and I belong to him and I'm a slave to you. 
verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. We're talking creation language, people. Has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of who? If you want to talk about God's glory, it's Jesus. You want to talk about who's the image of the visible God? It's Jesus. You want to talk about who is God expressed in earthly form? It is Jesus. Now, I'm not, I'm not speaking that Jesus shapeshifts. Come on now, somebody. Let me get a little philosophical with you. I, I, I'm not speaking of monism here. I know that's fancy theological terms. I just lost some of you just say, he just called me a monist, and you don't even know. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that Jesus is like water, and then he shapeshifts, or God shapeshifts into Jesus, and then shapeshifts into the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that God, or Jesus in the garden was praying to himself. I'm not saying that he's like water who exists in and ice, and steam, and liquid. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when Jesus was in the garden, he was praying to the Father in heaven. I'm saying that the Holy Spirit who lives in all of us is ministering to us and pointing us to Jesus who is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and there is God the Father. You say, well, how does that happen? Because we think with, with limited ability, obviously, because we're humans, but this is a terrible analogy, and it sounds deconstructive, but there is an eggshell, there is an egg white, and there is an egg yolk, but everybody, it's still an egg. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus. And you can say, well, that's nice, John. We're on this side of the cross, so we get to see who Jesus is. What about all the people over here, thousands and thousands and thousands of years before the cross, what about them? What difference does it make? What difference does it make if they were looking towards the cross and we're looking backwards to the cross? It's still the cross. Oh, you said, but I don't understand, John. Well, Jesus made it very simple. He said, the law and the prophets testify of me. Everything in the Old Testament was born. Listen, Abraham, he is not the point of Scripture. Failure. The dude lied. Right? Oh, yeah, well, tell him you're my sister, even though, yeah, you kind of sort of in a roundabout way are, but tell him you're my sister. Like, just try. Moses, you think he's a hero? He couldn't even get the promised land, family. Holmes didn't even make it. He's not the hero, though we try to eulogize him. And let, let me just, what about Samuel? He couldn't even keep his kids right. We want to talk about Samson? <laughs> Hello. Hello, mister. I'm going to go out with prostitutes. I mean, he wants to get the mind right. What about David? Mm, trashy. My, my point my point and my point, listen, the dude, like, right, right, he cheated on, like, man, he had his, one of his top 33 warriors, he slept with the dude's wife and then sent him to the front line and gave him the orders to pull back. And if that's not enough, he incited, listen, he was so, he did so bad at the end of his life when he counted the, the people of Israel, even his own guy who's in charge, even the man at the top said, I'm not even going to count. I'm going to stop counting. And then God sent a plague. 70,000 people died. Well, what about Solomon? Wisest man on the earth. Ladies, you're still undefeated. Coaches, y'all know what I'm talking about. Can I get a witness? You can't out-recruit a girlfriend. 
some, some, it's going to hit some of you. Some of you are going, what's he talking about? Okay, you go to recruit a guy, and he's got a girlfriend. You say, come to CSU, but his girlfriend's like, no, you're going to stay at home. Where's the kid going to go? Home. She's undefeated. Ladies, you're undefeated. Woo. Solomon. Home size had about a thousand. I mean, a lot of them were political, like 300 wives in the political, and they had, you know, over 600 concubines. And by the end of his life, what was he doing? He was sacrificing the false gods. Those women had pulled him away. He's not the point of the story. He's jacked up. And what do we say about Jeremiah? I'm tired of preaching your word. I'll just read Jeremiah 20. But every time I want to shut up, it's like fire in my bones. All right, go back to a cistern. Put him in a well. Let him starve a little more. What about Isaiah? Messed up. What about Malachi? Oh, let's talk about Jonah. I'm just angry you didn't kill everybody. Right? That's Jonah. Read the Jonah chapter 4. Come on. Can I get a witness? He's not the hero of the story. All the law and all the prophets testify of Jesus Christ who is the hero. He is the point of everything. And because of him, we now are a new creation. I will show you. Oh, come on, somebody. Let's pray for a second. Lord, I don't know. I, I, I just need more spark. My CrossFit people know what I'm talking about, Lord. I just pray right now. I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and a power. So, Lord, I humbly ask that no one sees me, but we see Jesus. The image of the invisible God. God, you can't show up, Father, because if you show up without the blood of Jesus over us, we are doomed. But because of his righteous blood over us, we now can enter, as Hebrews said, to the throne of grace and receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. And Lord, I'm not a smart guy, but I'm sure there's some people in this room like me who need some grace and mercy. And so, Lord, we come to you today because you are good. And I ask you, forgive me of my sins. They are many. Lord, you know me. I am jacked up. But, Lord, you are raised up. And you're going to do something today because Summit is wild. And that's why I love them. Lord, they're the wildest people. They're the greatest people. And Lord, you've called us for such a time as this. So you do what you want and you send out these wild people for you as we will be scattered, Lord willing, during the week. That Lord, we will be image bearers of the one who is the image of the invisible God. And it is in the matchless name of Jesus Christ we all said what? Amen. So here we go. Let me show you how this connection. Listen, we are a new creation. How is Jesus the point of this creation? If he is, if we are a new creation, that means God has changed us. And if he's changed us, then we're not the same. Mm-hmm. Yes? Okay. Because there's some things, let's be honest, there's some things that just need to change. Right? 
right? So y'all know what's happening with Lauren and Zach. They get married. You know, when he's all in love with her, I've taught y'all this. When he's all in love and saying, I'm going to take you from this day forward for better, for worse, she's saying some things are going to change up in here. That's the way it works. Right, men? Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't nod because you're going to get in trouble. All right, so Colossians chapter 1. At least we can have fun, right? I don't think God is boring. Do you? I don't think we're going to be in heaven going, oh, Lord, please. Hell would just be a lot better place right now. I'm bored. No, you're not going to say that. You're not going to say that because you're in the presence of God. So if, if preachers are boring, then I just want to tell you something. Then God didn't give them a sermon that day. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, here we go. I said it. You can tell them. Colossians, by the way, it's all on, be out there on the internet anyway, so I just made a lot of friends. All right, here we go. Woo! Colossians chapter 1. So uh, where's Hayden? There's Hayden. Where are you, Hayden? Where's Hayden? Hayden, there you are. David, and I don't even know where Seth is, but it's y'all's fault because y'all were talking about this scripture and it's been burning my heart. I can't get over it. Then you said something and it just kind of, uh, it just stuck. And I can't get past the scripture. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Check out what Jesus has done for us. The resurrection, the Anastasius to stand again. There's not a relationship he can't fix. There's not a mind he can't heal. There's not a body he can't revive. And there's not a grade he can't change. I'm telling you, it's Jesus and him alone. And when you walk with that, your language changes, your thoughts change, your swag changes, because in him we live and move. Come on, somebody, and have our what? Uh Uh-huh. Colossians 1.13, he is Jesus has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. He, God loves Jesus so much that it overflows right into us. We have been transferred. The reason why we need to be transferred is because we're always looking to transfer. Oh, oh, oh. That was good. Proverbs 28, verse 1, the wicked flee when no one is chasing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. When you're in Jesus, you don't need to transfer into any relationship. I don't go to them, they come to me. Mm -hmm. Come on, you know I'm telling the truth. If you're strong in the Lord, then guess what? People start acting like the Jesus in you. You don't start acting like the hell in them. Oh, that was good. Because we've been transferred to a new kingdom. I don't need to buy into obey my thirst. I've already got the one who satisfied my thirst. Right? I don't need need to look like anybody else because I'm trying to bear the image of Jesus Christ. There's no other image that's going to draw me. There's no image that's going to satisfy me. There's no image that tastes as good as Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Isn't that what Scripture says? We've been transferred in us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him. And then Paul, who's just absolutely wild, who I love. Y'all know he's wild. I mean, like the dude was beheaded. Like anybody's beheaded for Jesus, they are edge player. Right? Like I can walk with that. That's why I'm telling you, I love y'all at Summit. I know who you are. You were the ones at the parties that were, that were going wild on top of the tables, getting everybody going, let's go, let's go, right? That's why I love y'all, because y'all got radically saved and transformed. And now, just think about it. I love people that are wild for Jesus. I mean, that are wild before Jesus, because if they wild before Jesus, if they get saved, woo-hoo, 
You got it, the glamorous life. Y'all don't even know the 80s song I'm singing. My 80s people. Then he busts into a hymn. Paul, who's wild, busts into a hymn that the church sings. And they begin to sing this hymn. And Paul takes it and he puts it in Scripture. It says, he, Jesus, is the image of what, saints? The firstborn over all creation. Look what he says there in 16. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. Let me just stop there. One of my heroes, there was a professor when I was in seminary, was John Selhammer. Dr. Peter Link is here, uses him a lot because he was, we went to the same seminary. John Selhammer, who, who writes, he was the, the specialist on the book of Genesis. A tremendous Hebrew scholar. Old Testament scholar. He, it's brilliant what happens. I want to show you something. That, I want to show you when it says, he is the image of the first, uh, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. I want to show you that this passage is directly related to Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I'll show you this because in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word there for beginning is the, can be translated firstborn. In the firstborn. Oh, you're not making the connection, somebody. In the firstborn, God created the heavens and the earth. According to Colossians chapter 1, who is the firstborn? It's not a trick question. Starts with the letter J, ends with the letter S. Hint. Who is the firstborn? He, Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the firstborn. I mean, the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. In the firstborn, God created. In Jesus, God created. And Paul takes that Genesis 1 language and he puts it there into Colossians 1 in the hymn. And he says, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Do you realize that in Jesus, he creates something new in us? Boom, shakalaka. All right. Why? People that ain't right with Jesus can do it. Why can't I redeem it? Mm -hmm. Hello. All right, so he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. Let me show you something else. In the beginning, the word there for in, in Hebrew, can be, and in some interpreters, held that it should be translated to the word by, B-Y. By the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You ought to write this down in your Bible. So instead of in the beginning, God created, by the firstborn, God created. Mm -hmm. How good is that? It changes everything. You see, Paul knew that. We don't know that because we've been removed 
from the language. But when we understand Hebrew, and when we understand Greek, and we look at the, 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 the Old Testament Septuagint, which is written in Greek, we look at those translations, we see that it was by the firstborn God created. By the firstborn God created. So when you go back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, and it says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Paul is saying that Jesus is the one who creates in us. And we have been created. And then look how it plays out. For everything was created by him. By the firstborn, Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth, verse 2, was formless and void. And darkness covered, right? The deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The word formless and void. This is such beautiful language. The word formless and void can be translated visible and invisible. Look at Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Look what it says in 16. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. The visible and the what? Formless and void. It's all Genesis 1. By the firstborn, God created. By Jesus Christ, God created. Notice the Trinity even in the first two verses of Genesis 1 and 2. God created by Jesus and the Spirit was hovering over the waters, doing the work, interacting with the elements. God is going to do something in us and he's going to do it through Jesus Christ. And God is not a liar. Listen, Jesus Christ is not dead. And as long as Jesus Christ is interceding at the right hand of the Father in Romans chapter 8, and the Spirit of God is interceding in Romans chapter 8, I want to tell you something. There's nothing that you and I can't face that God doesn't have victory over. Because He is continually creating. He can take what is formless and void. That means he can take what is visible, us, or invisible, things we don't see, we don't know. How is God going to make this happen? Where's my relationships going to go? How's my finances going to go? What's this going to happen here? He can take what's invisible and he can make it happen because he is God. All things have been created through him and for him. We do not belong to ourselves. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to him. And he is going to do it, saints. He is going to do it. Look what he says there, verse 17. He is before all things, and by him all things. What, saints? If you want relationships to stick, you let Jesus be the king. If you want direction in life to be held together, let Jesus be the king. If you want for you to be strong or for me to be strong in the midst of chaos in the house, let Jesus be my king. 
Because when everybody else is falling apart, I'm still going to be standing up. Because there's an anchor in Hebrews. Come on, somebody in Hebrews. There's an anchor for my soul. So when death comes around, when chaos comes around, when questions come around and brokenness and relationships and everything else comes around, I'm still going to be standing because my God is still alive. So do not doubt that God is not still creating. And he will take what is visible and invisible, formless and void, by the firstborn God created. And if God is creating, then we can change. All right, y'all, break it down for you. Rob, you might as well come on up here because I'm just not even, I'm not even past the intro. I'm not, he, Robbie and I talked beforehand, didn't we? And Robbie's like, okay, I'm going to come up when you get to this scripture, right? That was at point three, but I'm not even past the intro. He said he's not kidding. I'm telling the truth. Like, the, can you not feel the spirit of God? Or is it just me sweating? People say, well, John, I don't like to sit close. Like, there's very few people in the front row. Praise God for y'all being there. You better wake up, Jake. I'm kidding. And so, like, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I, like, spit, I told them, they say, well, John, you spit. I said, it's holy water. Never mind. All right, so this is a wild group today. I just want you to, can you tell? Okay. I love them. I love y'all. I mean, I, I mean, I love Jesus, right? But I love you, and I love you more than I love money. Because money is not going to carry you anywhere. But people will. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. I try to tell my children all the time, if you want relationships to work, base it on Jesus. Come on, right? There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. Marriages will work. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God can do it. Jesus can do it. And he can take people that are running so hard from God, and he can do it. There's a lot of us adults in this room in here that have a little bit of uh, life experience on us, and we know that when we were running from God, God, God brought us back and made it right, didn't he? He's good. Let's go down to verse 19. This is so good. Well, actually, no, I don't want to even skip the hymn. Let's go 18. I'm sorry, Gary. He is also the head of the body, the church. I don't like when people say, John, how's your church? It's not mine. I'm just an under-shepherd. He is the beginning. Woo! Come on, somebody. He is the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. Like, he has to have first place. In Robbie's life, he has to have first place. In my life, in your life, he has to have first place because when he has first place, then God will do what only he can do. See, God can have first place or none. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. God's like, look, if you want to see who I am and what I act like and what I am and the forgiveness that I give and the blessings that I give and the heartbeat behind me, just look to Jesus. It pleased God. Listen, God is a God of joy. God is not up in heaven and he is not sitting there, sitting there all broken all the time going, I just can't believe my people are that crazy. God is saying, I can't believe my people are that crazy, but Jesus is greater. 
and through him, look at this, all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. It is by the blood of Jesus Christ. And here is where I want to land. So I was, Robbie and I were talking. He'll testify. We were talking. I said, I said, Robbie, I try to land every sermon. This is how I try to land the plane. I, I know you already know this, but if you'll give me a little grace to just remind myself, I land every plane on the promise of God, don't I? Have you noticed? Every sermon, when the plane lands, it lands on the promise of God. Why? Because I want all of us to stand on his promises. If we stand on his promise, if we stand that by the firstborn, God created the heavens and the earth, and that he can take what is formless and void, visible and invisible, visible me, invisible, what is my future, what's next, what's going to happen. If he is in control of that, if I can stand on that promise, then somebody's going to be strong in Jesus. So we land every sermon on a promise. Because I want you to know, whatever comes your way, whatever comes your way, good or bad, if it's good all good things come from the Father of lights where there's no variation or shifting of shadow. James chapter 1. If it's bad, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. God, who can take what I thought was crazy, he can take that uh, something that's awful, death, all the things around, and God can use that for his glory. Listen to what he said about Lazarus. It's the idea Lazarus was going to die for the glory of God because it was a foreshadowing of how God was going to resurrect the dead. The dead in Christ live, people. The dead in Christ don't die. He can do it. So we land on the promise. And here it comes. By making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds. Oh, if I had time to preach this. I have all the notes. It's on Facebook, Summit Church. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds. Alienated. That means, we, the, I, the Greek word there means belong to another person. It's like this. John was somebody different before Jesus. I belong to somebody else, and it was not Jesus. I belong to the devil, to the enemy, and he had blinded me thinking that I belonged to me. Oh, I'll go over here. He had blinded me to think it was all about me when really it was all about the devil. I thought I was serving me. See, I was a whole nother person. I was a whole nother person before Jesus Christ moved in. Robbie, I bet you were, you were a whole nother person until Jesus Christ moved in. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't sin. What happens is that I, when I sin, it does not have victory over me. And sometimes you know how sin can have victory over you today? Is you just feel condemnation and you just sit in and say, I can't, see, see, God can never use me. I want you to know something. When you and I say that language, that is victory for sin and not victory in Jesus. God can and will use you. And by the way, the last time I checked, he's greater than sin. Look at all the people he used in Scripture. He did not walk away from King David. He did not walk away from Jonah when Jonah's like, kill them all, God. 
then walk away because they're not the hero of the story. It's a whole nother person. I was hostile. That word there in the Greek means hated, that God was an enemy. He was an enemy to me. He was hostile in my mind. I didn't want to read the Bible. I didn't want to deal with anybody about Christians. I didn't want to deal with anything. I didn't want to, I was so wicked that I would sit in First Baptist Church, Salisbury, North Carolina, that big old building. I'd sit in there, and when people would look at me in the middle of worship, I would look at them and say, get your eyes off me. That's evil. But he, but now he has, look at verse 22. But now he has, let me just say that one more time. But now he has what, saints? Reconciled. And here's the promise. The word reconcile. Remember what I said about alienated? Alienated means this. That it's, it's by the way, it's, I don't want to get too tense. In the Greek, it's a perfect tense. It means it's a completed tense. It means I was completely another person. But you know what? You know what this word means? Reconciled? It means in Greek, it means to be changed into another person. Today, God has changed you into another person. He has reconciled us. And as long as he has changed us, remember, by the firstborn God created, he is continually creating in us hope and vision. He is creating in us a desire. He is creating us a long-suffering. He is creating in us the patience that we need, the fruit of the Spirit that He's going to give. He's creating in us something, Robbie, that's so beautiful that only people can say, that is Jesus. He's creating because He is reconciled. And today, God wants to change us from one state of feeling, from one state of person to another. That's what reconcile means. Today, he's going to change. Though my mind says no way, my spirit says yes way. Because where God is in control and where he is alive, Satan has no authority. And I'm not going to listen to death thoughts when I've been resurrected with life thoughts. No, I'm not. So today, you want God to change you. You say, but John, I, I'm not talk, I, I know I'm talking to saved people. I'm, my guess is the majority of you are saved. But God wants to change you. He wants to change that feeling of what am I going to do of hopeless, helpless, whatever that might be, to change it into say, God, I trust you when I don't see you. Come on, I love you coming down forward and getting face forward. I love that. Come on, Ricky, I love you. You don't have to wait for the invitation to come down. I mean, this is summit, people. God can change. And if you're begging God to change circumstances around you, to change your family, to change the people that you work with, that they might see Jesus Christ, well, I want to tell you how Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up not because of him in person, but he shows up by us impersonating him. When we're changed, people see Jesus. So let Jesus today change your mind, change your heart, change your future. He has reconciled. This is a promise, saints. This is a promise that's already done. So it's up to us to walk into it. It's up to us to choose it. Robbie, today we have been set free. He is changing us. And we can say, I'm either going to still feel this way or I'm going to let Jesus rule me this way. But I want to tell you something. You have a choice called free will. You have a choice. What do you want to do today? You've been reconciled. 
And this is what you said, Hayden. And I want to tell you, everybody, here's what you've been changed into. Look what he says. He's changed you through the death of Jesus, his death. That means when we face death, we don't face it with fear. We face it in victory. Oh, grave, where is your victory? Oh, death, come on, somebody, 1 Corinthians 15, where's your sting? We face it in victory. He has changed our mind set of death because we've been reconciled by the blood of Jesus Christ. And look at this. We are now holy. We are now holy, set apart, purpose language. We are faultless. We're not full of fault. We are faultless. Look at this. And we are blameless before him. You are not being blamed today. You are not living in shame today. You have been set free. You are blameless. Who in here today needs God to change something in his life? He will do it because he is Lord. Father, I pray right now. I pray as they go over and sing shepherd over us. My prayer today, shepherd us, Lord. Shepherd us. Be our strength. Be our Savior. Be the firstborn over us, over your creation. Be our leader. Be our guide. Be our fortress. Be our strong tower. Be our righteousness. Be our banner. Be our healer. Be our deliverer. Be the one who sees for us. Oh God, be for us what we can never be for ourselves, and that is our Savior. Jesus, you are alive and well, and we worship you today. And if there's somebody in this room, and they're just here, and they've never been radically changed by the gospel of Jesus, they have no hope except for Jesus Christ. There is no hope of any man's works. There is no hope for any man's authority. There is no hope to stand in front of the almighty Father God and say, we've been a good person. There is no hope when we compare ourselves to Jesus. And I pray today that somebody in this room will see and be wrecked in their heart that they are not right with you. And the only one who can set them free is Jesus. So what do they do, Lord? Your word says to trust and repent. To turn from walking one way and turn and follow Jesus and believe that he died for them and that God, you rose him from the dead on the third day and now they'll be a new creation in Christ and Lord, let them commit to you to be you being their Lord and their Savior. Today, God, we are people in this room who have either been reconciled or need to be reconciled. But either way, the common denominator is we need to be changed. Change us so that people will see Jesus Christ. He is Lord, and he is over all creation, and he is the image of the invisible God, and everything is created by him and for him, and in Jesus, he will hold everything together, and that means us. Lord, fill this altar with your presence. Pour your spirit upon us. Bring us hope and life. 
we commit to worship you. In Jesus' name.
Your love is like a storm. 